I'm going to send a personalized email on LinkedIn to them. Then I'm going to follow it up and invite them to follow our Crown Capital on LinkedIn. And then I will send them a personal email. And that's before I get into a drip campaign, before I put them into an automated system. And I'm going to get a sense if they actually have any interest in this. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest, he is focused on investor relations. And that is something we are just continually trying to improve at LifeBridge Capital as well. So I love to having these conversations at how other people are doing this well or striving to do it the best they can, right? And today, our guest, Jared Ash, he's a partner in Crown Capital in charge of building relationships with investors. He is a general partner and investor in numerous projects, as well as GP and apartments in Texas and in Kentucky. He's been investing in real estate since 2017, owns several rental properties in Memphis as well. And today we're going to go through some ways that he's finding investors, the way he's caring for them. Man, that relationship building component that is so important from finding them to the follow-up what he did even on a project that didn't go as planned. Uh, It's an interesting story that I know you're going to learn a lot from. Jared, welcome to the show. Your specialty or your focus right now is something we were joking about, but but it is a it should be all of our focuses in, in this business in some form or another, or somebody on our team should be doing what you are doing, uh, and you are focused on that relationship and building relationships uh, with investors. Uh, and that that doesn't happen overnight. It's not something you can just do very quickly or do it well that way anyway. But so I'm looking forward to getting into this because I'm always looking to improve the way we do it as well uh, in-house uh, every way we possibly can. Uh, but who's Jared? And uh, Jared, you know, give the listeners a little more about yourself uh, and let's dive in. Yeah, Jared Ash, I'm a partner at Crown Capital Corp. We are a multifamily syndication firm. We've been together for one year and have just completed our third deal with two more on the horizon. I've been investing in real estate though for six years now, started in the single family space. And my background is unique. I come here through government affairs and lobbying work. I've worked at the intersection of business and government my whole career. And I still do that work, which I think brings me here to a good place to work with investors because I'm not doing a deal just for a paycheck. I'm doing it because it's a good deal. No doubt. That's my background. I live in the San Francisco area with three amazing daughters and an amazing wife who keep me sane and grounded all the time. Yeah, that's uh, hats off to you. You said to keep you sane, four women in the house. That's something right there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Congratulations. That's another podcast. We'll talk about that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into how you do just that, You know how you're building those relationships, what that looks like, uh, and maybe we'll get into some examples uh, you know, as well, I hope. You know, I guess speak to uh, getting into that type of business. You know, I mean, your focus, not everybody enjoys that either, the networking component and the following up and all that. What was that about You know, that you loved that or you wanted to focus on that? Uh, and then you know, speak to learning that side of the industry. Yeah. Well, my whole career has been about building relationships. It probably started as a kid. We moved school districts four or five times and that taught me how to be resilient and meet people, forces you to to make friends. And I've done that my whole career. When I started in politics, I was a political fundraiser. I raised money for political candidates, ballot measures, lots of nonprofit organizations. And it really taught me how to listen to why people are investing. What is drawing them in either to a candidate, to a nonprofit? Where is their heart? And 
what do they want to do? And my whole career has been about talking to people and listening to them. When I get on a conference call with people, I don't ask about the weather. If I'm talking to somebody in Minnesota in January, it's cold. Same time in July in Phoenix, it's hot, right? They've chosen to live in those places. So how do you get to know people as an individual more so than asking those generic questions and really dive into who they are and what's driving them. Well, let's jump into that. How do you do that? I love that you talked about you know listening to why people are investing. Oftentimes, that that's not the case. People aren't listening, you know, to why somebody's wanting to invest. Let's dive into that in that process that you're taking. So there's two parts, right? Why are they investing and how are they investing? And then there's the personal side of it. So why and how are they investing is just important questions to ask. I was talking to somebody who's in his late 70s the other day, and he's pulling money out of one project now. And he said his deal criteria when I was talking to him is three years, because his attitude is he doesn't know, he doesn't want to commit to five or 10 years. He doesn't know if he'll be around. His philosophy in life, not where I think he'll be, but so you want to not present him with a deal that has a five or seven year exit strategy. He's looking for the best return on his cash flow. So it's just talking it through is an investor going to use their retirement funds? Have they ever done this before? What's more important to them? Is it equity? Is it just diversification from the stock market? Is it, hey, I want cash flow? Well, what's that cash flow paying for for them? Right. And so those are just helpful questions to ask and boil down to what are they doing and and how are they coming to this market? You also want to get to know them personally. You know, you don't need to become their best friend. You don't need to know their whole family situation, but you're looking for what are some of their interests? Are they, you know, really excited in their team is is made the final the pennant race for the World Series right now. Is their team out to a surprising six and zero start in the NFL season? Just knowing what they're paying attention to, what their passion is, are they going on on you know to climb Kilimanjaro? You can relate to them and follow up, and people just appreciate when you follow up with them on everything. What are their interests and what are they paying attention to? Give some tips on how you figure those things out. You just start talking. You know, you ask, hey, what did you do this weekend? And you pick up on it. You start talking a little bit about yourself. What are you paying attention to in in sports? Or did you recently take a vacation to get it out of them? And it doesn't always happen in one phone call. It's not instantaneous, but it's how do you build that rapport? And it's just making a note of it. So when you ask somebody, you know, you send them an email and you know they were taking a three-week trip to Europe, you just follow up with them in four weeks and say, hey, how was your trip? What was a highlight, right? They really just appreciate it because you're listening to them. And then even if you're then planning a trip to Europe or something later on and you have a list of, hey, here's eight people I want to ask about their trip to Europe, like people appreciate sharing things with you. Any little regards or something you might remember about their children or their pet because their dog was jumped onto their to their lap during a webinar and just say, hey, how's your puppy today? Send me a picture, right? People appreciate that as you get to know them. You mentioned, you know, following up and asking about those things, you know, talk about your follow-up process or and maybe in a moment we'll go backwards and figure out how you're finding investors first or connecting with investors. But you mentioned following up about their interests and whatnot. What does that look like for you? Yeah. And as we expand, it's it's got to get a little bit more sophisticated. For the most part, I am simple in that regard. I take notes and I put in a calendar appointment if I can, or I just track it in our CRM. 
about the individual. But it's not something, you know, that I'm I'm looking to put just a file on them in our CRM. I'm genuinely interested in in these things with people. It's how I learn, it's how I connect. One of the things I sh- I say is my superpower is you could throw a dart at anywhere of a map of this country and I have somebody that within a 6-hour drive somebody will buy me a beer. And there are some really rural areas out there, I think to to have confidence to say that. I had a, you know, do a geographic line around Bismarck and you know, Odessa, just to be out there in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, that's interesting to be networked that well or know that many people. It's helpful if you're uh, in our business or almost any business, probably. But uh, but let's back up a little bit and speak to you know your your best source of meeting new investors right now. You know, one of the things that I'm going back to and is my plan at least for the next three or four months is I have a big personal LinkedIn following from all of those people that I've met throughout the country and locally in places that I've lived in different jobs that I've had. And they might not be people that I'm currently active with, but I was going through just a list of 500 people in one particular field. And I identified about I think it was 267 of them that I think would be interested in just learning more about real estate. I'm not going to bet a thousand on that, but I have over 7,000 LinkedIn contacts. So I just took one 500 set and identified more than half of those people that I want to share. Hey, I'm going to send a personalized email on LinkedIn to them. Then I'm going to follow it up and invite them to follow our crown capital on LinkedIn. And then I will send them a personal email. And that's before I get into a drip campaign, before I put them into an automated system. And I'm going to get a sense if they actually have any interest in this, if they tell me to know, you know, or if they just, hey, I, I, sure, I'll listen, but I, I don't have money to invest or something. And that list, those numbers shrink, but I'm not looking for 7,200 people to invest in a deal. I'm looking for who are the quality 200, 300 people that will invest in multiple deals in the next five years with me. Yeah. So speak to then, well, actually, we talked about the relationship building process a little bit. You know, you're listening and you're trying to figure out their interests and you're paying attention and you're following up, and which is crucial, I think. And we're, we're working hard, really hard at doing better at that all the time ourselves. Uh, how does that relationship change, say, after uh, they actually invest with you? What happens, you know, after that? So in a personal level, not much. You want to remain in, in touch with them. And it could be something like, hey, I've got a friend in Tampa right now, right? The her- that was an investor. Uh, the hurricane went south of them that hit Florida a couple of weeks ago. But I just checked in. Hey, how'd you survive the storm? Doing that was not related to anything about an investing project. It was, hey, how are you? It's because I actually care about these people and I get to know my investors Personally, that was important for me as a human being to check in with them. Separate from that, people who invest in our project, they get a monthly update on uh, the property. A lot of property only give every quarter. And we do a bigger report every quarter that has financials and vacancy rates. But sometimes it's like, hey, the playground equipment is going in this week because we're we're putting in a new playground and we're going to send you pictures next week when we have them. And it could just be a paragraph on that, but at least every month they know on the same day they're hearing from us. Every month we're doing a webinar, educating them about how they can save on their taxes or other things, not just promoting ourselves, but educating them about 
the process, the deal they're involved in, and just making sure they know their money's safe, but they also get that education value. What about maybe a project that didn't go as planned and and talk through how that worked with investors and what happened? Yeah, I have a project in Georgia. It was looking like excellent returns, probably a 24% IRR on the deal. And about a week out from closing, got a call from the bank that something was changing in our loan regarding the liquidity of two investors because they closed on another property. And then two days later, the bank called us and said, well, there's another problem and you have to change out somebody. And then previously, we had changed out one of the key principles on the deal. And then all of a sudden, there was another problem because we've changed too many people now. And we were getting closer to that closing date. And there was something there that I felt like I didn't know that was really going on with the key principal on the deal and one of the other GPs that I was, because I don't get to see all the partners' personal financial statements or whatever. And there was just something, as one investor put to me, your spidey senses tingled. And you said, wait, the loan is now changing. The interest rate is changing. You have to put more money into reserves. Now my returns are shifting. And we had $2.5 million in the bank. And I pulled out of the deal. A lot of the other partners lost money in the deal. Every single one of my investors got their principal back. Plus, we figured that most banks were $20 for wiring fees. We reimbursed them out of our pocket $20 for their wiring fees. Because my philosophy is nobody should ever lose money with us on a deal. And even if for some reason something in the world happens, whether it's COVID, a crash in the market, Ukraine... We can't control those things, but we can control not losing their original principal. By the way, find a stockbroker that can say that because anybody's 401k is down, what, 20 to 25% this year, no matter how good of an investor you are. They're losing, if they had 100 grand in the stock market, they're somewhere between now, what, 85 and $70,000 in the stock market. We're keeping your principal in a real estate business. And you've been around the space a long time. You get that comparison. Yeah, that's an interesting thought as far as having to back out, getting their money back to them. And no doubt that can be a, a challenging time to communicate well with investors and what's happening, right? Or, or we're not closing as expected. And, and uh, speak to uh, maybe the communication process that you took through a project like that, that's like, oh, we're so excited, right? But then all of a sudden, there's something happening. You know, you didn't feel good about it. You decided to back out. How, how do you communicate with investors through that process? So they, I guess they still feel good about what's happening. Yeah. And by the way, I think one investor in that deal has invested in another project. And I think that person just legitimately doesn't have the cash now. They've put it into another deal. So that gave me great faith. So our communication strategy worked. I was just honest with people, right? I said, like, there's something changing with the loan here. I'm not comfortable with it anymore. It's more important to me to protect your money and give it back to you than chance anything going wrong. Even if my returns were still... 15% IRR instead of a 24% IRR. It'd still be a decent deal for the investor, but you know, I just didn't feel comfortable. And a lot of people, because I was honest, because I was heartfelt and I did it quickly and I wired their money back within a day of the phone call, I think a lot of them respected that decision that I made and the way I communicated. What about uh, any other ways that you you stand out to investors. Anything that we're, you know, you're going above and beyond in any way that you're 
uh, whether it's to build that relationship or, or just to show you care or whatever. Anyway, to increase that return investor percentage, right? One, you really have to actually care. There's a lot of people that are just transactional in here. You've got to have that. And somebody recently asked that in an investor call, like, what makes you stand out? And I just said, it's because you're going to know me and you're going to find me accessible to you. You know, if I can't call you back right away, at least text you back or email you back and say, look, I'm traveling right now. I need three days to call you back, but I can have another one of my partners at Crown Capital give you a call. And somebody like the other day, I didn't know the answer to a question, right? They just appreciated that. I'm like, I have to go talk to an accountant about that and get you an answer. And so I think if you're genuine and you listen to them and you over communicate, most people are happy. One of the things that that we recently found out on a deal is that a couple of investors weren't getting their monthly newsletter and report. It was going to spam because we changed our email system and our CRM file. And so once we found that out with one person, what we did is we started texting and calling everybody else, have you gotten it? And we resent it again. And we found out even one of my other partners wasn't actually getting them. And so that was just an easy fix to communicate back. I know some are asking, well, what CRM are you all using now? Active campaign. What'd you switch from? A non-sophisticated system. Okay. We were mostly doing it on our own. We used Nutshell a little bit, but we weren't. And then we were using Nutshell and then we were coordinating that with MailChimp. And so we just sort of brought everything yeah. together in one spot. What about uh, any, do you have any predictions for the real estate market over the next six to 12 months or, you know, buying, selling? What, what do you see? Look, interest rates have an impact. We're looking at one new deal now with like an 8.5% interest rate. And so it's squeezing the ability to get that cash flow in the next 12 to 18 months. At the same time, I'm bullish on the space because people who are going to get a six and a half to 7% residential mortgage, they're not necessarily going to be able to move out of apartments. I think in certain markets, bigger markets in Texas that are growing, we just did a deal in Lubbock and another one in Louisville, places outside of Atlanta, Houston that are growing, they have a supply and demand issue. And I would expect rents to go up. Are they going to go up 10 to 15% that they've done each of the last three years? No. Are they going to go up 5%? Yeah, that's doable. Am I going to anticipate that? No, I think we're underwriting in one deal for like 1% to 2%, but we believe we're going to get five. We'd rather be safe. I think that supply and demand issue in key markets is still a problem, and I expect rents to go up and and occupancy to stay high. What's your best tip for passive investors? Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask something and to check in with your team. I mean, there's the simple question of when's my next check coming? But then, hey, if you have a question about the interest rates or, hey, you heard that this happened in this market, what's the impact of that? Call and just chat with us. Talk it through. Don't be there hoping we share information. Don't be shy. Ask the questions. Make sure your investment is still working for you. What's the biggest challenge you're facing in your business right now? I think for me as an individual, it is, you know, we're, we've completed three deals now. We've got two on the horizon. I think it's telling a lot of my network that I'm doing this and bringing them over with me and that it's okay, right? There's this hesitation from people and you've dealt with it with first timers. Wait, how do I buy an apartment building? How do I group my money together with all of these other people? How am I not liable if somebody trips and falls on the property? And it's just educating 
new people into this space that we know what we're doing and that this is a smart, well-balanced portfolio for them. What's the most important metrics that you track? Could be personally, professionally, anything in between. Right now, I'm very focused on conversion rate. So if we're, I think I mentioned pulling like 267 names out of my LinkedIn and trying to move them here, you know, before I pull the next 300, 500 names, I want to know what I'm doing is successful, right? Do I need to tweak my message? Do I need to tweak what we're offering them? What's going on? So by the time I do the next campaign, we could do it. So how many people... I'm not expecting 267 to convert. I'm not even expecting 267 want the email. Do 100, do 25. And how do we keep adjusting it to get that rate going? If you're a marketing person for a business, you're looking at opening rates for emails. How many people laid eyes on your Facebook ad? So for us, it's converting them into a phone call, converting our open rate higher and things like that. What about some daily habits that you're disciplined about that have produced the highest return for you? Posting on LinkedIn. I mean, we post on Facebook, we post on Instagram, but I think the LinkedIn is getting the most traction right now at bringing people in. And I think, you know, every Friday, you know, usually four Fridays in a month, we have four partners, everybody post a book review. And so we know that that's coming out from somebody and there's a whole calendar and a plan timeline to everything we post. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Relationships. It's about building relationships and earning trust. And how do you like to give back? Uh, my wife and I just did a local costume drive for a shelter. Uh, we collected 62 costumes for kids 12 and under so they can go trick-or-treating. And these were kids who otherwise wouldn't have a costume, wouldn't be able to participate, would probably just stay in. They didn't want to be embarrassed by their friends from school. So there's other ways we do, but that one's fresh on my mind because I think this is going to come out right after Halloween and just seeing the pictures and their faces light up. That's really important to us. It's awesome. Appreciate you sharing that. Jared, pleasure to meet you, have you on the show. Uh, I enjoy meeting uh, lots of people in this industry, but uh, I love talking to people who are focused on investor relations, right? It's such a big part of our business and we're trying to do it the best we possibly can. So I love learning from others who are trying to do the same, just like yourself. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Yeah, you can check out the company at crowncapitalcorp.com. And you could find me, Jared Ash, on LinkedIn, J-A-R-E-D-A-S-C-H. I am the only Jared Ash out there and I am very active on it. So please connect with me individually. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.